believe that because literally Christ is all that we need. Take our Bibles tonight to Philippians, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. The last chapter of Romans we are on tonight, beginning there. We're not going to get very far, just a couple of verses. And so... Romans chapter 16. Does anyone need a handout for the message tonight? If you do, you can grab it for yourself, I guess. And that will work out just fine. But I think that everyone should be all right with, what, with it tonight. And we're going to look at a couple of verses. And uh, the one song we sang a few minutes ago, a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. We need that in this place. And this morning, we... Um, the chief and the officers that were here, they said there was quite a spirit here. That they, and that's a good thing. cannot be a fake spirit. It needs to be real. And we need to love the Lord, love one another, get along with one another, and do what God's called us to do. Romans 16, two verses tonight. These verses have caused quite a stir amongst some Baptists. Even lately I hear people talking about Phoebe. We're going to talk about her tonight. and we're, Hopefully I'm not going to cause any stirs with any of you in the room tonight. But we're going to look at these verses and look at a few things. Verse number one, it says, I commend unto you our sister, or unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become as saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succour of many, and of myself also. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few minutes that we have here tonight. I thank you for this passage of scripture, and I pray that you'd help us and guide us tonight. We need you. We need your help. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for being our God, and I thank you for all that you do. Bless the time that we have I pray all that's said and done would bring you honor and glory tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A lot of times as we go through the Bible, we'll look and you'll see a lot of men mentioned in the Old Testament and other places. And then there are those out there, and I've heard a lot of people over time, well, the Bible is more of a sexist book. It doesn't mention women. God loves women. Women have a place in the work of God. Women are important, and we could go in-depth, deep, talking about that tonight. But as we dive in tonight, I started thinking, can, what are, what are, who are some of the great women you can think of in the Bible? Give me some names. Well, everyone at once. So I heard Esther. Esther, Ruth, Deborah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? There's a good one right there. And so, who'd you say? Hulda, yep. Naomi? Who, Louis? What? JL, I knew you'd mention her with that tent stake going through Cicero's head there. Um, Deborah? Sarah? I think Sarah, willing to leave everything with her husband and go and do, do all those things. I think We could go through the whole list all night long. We could think about... Rebecca. What was Lot's wife's name? Anybody know what Lot's wife's name was? 
Now, the Bible just says, remember Lot's wife. That's what it says. That's the way it says it. I was just seeing if anybody could remember her name. She was a pillar of salt, right? So, so she was a little salty. But anyways, we'll leave that one there. Won't go any deeper on that. Um, Mary Magdalene, I would say, definitely. Jochebed. Martha. We could go through. Rahab, Rahab as well, the faith that she had, she might not start out very well, but the faith that she had and what God did through her, the Bible is full of godly women. When we look at the Bible, make sure you never, this is, this is what we like to do. We like to look at things and be like, well, you know, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where's Sarah mentioned there? Where's the others? And we tend to look at, and it comes to qualifications for offices in the church, too. We look and we're like, well, so-and-so can't do this and this, but what about all the other spots and other positions in a church? Phoebe is a godly lady and a godly example. I think of one of the best women in the Bible, best ladies, would be the Proverbs 31 woman. Didn't mention her. And I know we don't have a name there, but we look at that passage and we see women play a vital role in the work of the ministry and in the church. Don't ever lose sight of that. They play a valuable role in the home. Where would we be in our homes without our wives? And so as we look at this passage tonight, as we dive in here, just a little bit, and it's interesting. So I have different copies of the King James Version, and some of them say different things. Do, do any of you look at the end there, verse 27 of chapter 16? Does anyone have anything there about Phoebe mentioned there? No? What does yours say over there? So, there are several copies of the King James Version that say in verse 27 that Phoebe's the one who carried this book for Paul. And you say, well, why isn't it in all of them? I don't know. That's not my job to figure that out. But several of them have that and say that. They believe that Phoebe's the one who took these... Think about the book of Romans. If you look at how rich and how vast the doctrine is of this book, God used her, probably, to take those words to people. Now, as we look at this tonight, we see Paul says, I commend you. The word commend is to recommend someone or to commend them for a job that they do. So Paul is giving basically a recommendation letter for Phoebe. Now, it's interesting that if she is the one who carried the book to Rome, that, they were, that Paul was introducing the one who carried the book. So, and think about this. Paul, out of all the people in the world, and we got to remember, this, this scripture not only is just someone's writings. you got to understand something. Yes, Paul penned these words, but they were penned under inspiration of God. So these are God's words. Written in Paul's style, and Paul's writing, but the Holy Spirit of God moved him to pick these words. So what we see in this passage tonight is that this is really a recommendation from God 
for this woman, if we're being honest here. Because God, at the end of the day, you know, I can give her, people, people will call me often, so funny. I have people who haven't been in church in a long time, I'll get, I'll get a text from them, hey pastor, just those two words. And I always want to respond, what do you want? I don't respond that way. Like, hi, how are you? Long time not hearing from you. How's everything? And then they go right into what they want. And oftentimes people be like, Pastor, I know it's been a while since I've been at church, but I'm trying to get this job, and it would look really good for a pastor to give me a recommendation. They put, sometimes I get put in a bad spot. Because what am I supposed to say? This person says they're a member of this church, but they haven't been in three months, so they're going to do a great job of showing up for work. <laughs> this person always was 15 minutes late to church, so they're going to be late for you. You know, they put me in bad spots when they do that sometimes. Then there are others, there's no big deal when it happens. But, you know, when we look at this, the Lord would know Phoebe better than anybody. And these words were pinned here. I want to take a little bit of time tonight to talk about a godly servant by the name of Phoebe. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. We need you. We need your help. I pray that you would guide our thoughts, guide our direction tonight, and help us see some things tonight that would be a help to us. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see verse 1 and 2, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a secure of many, and of myself also. We see that every once in a while Paul liked to use alliteration there. There are three S's mentioned tonight. So I'm just going to give you Paul's outline for who Phoebe is. Number one, we see that Phoebe is called a sister. We see that right away. It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. And this sister indicates two things to us. Being a sister means that, first of all, she was a child of God, right? That's where it begins, right? Am I wrong on that statement? No, because if she's going to be a sister to those in the church, she must have a daughter for the relationship with the king of kings, right? So the first thing that we see about Phoebe is we see the fact that she's called a sister, which means that she is a child of God. And I can't think of a better title in all the world than being called a child of God. There are lots, and there, we'll talk about more things about her in a couple minutes here, but as we look at this, she had a relationship with the Father. That's where it begins. You want to be, ladies in the room, you want to be a godly lady. It begins with a relationship with God. Doesn't that, you're like, duh, pastor, but it does. That's where it begins. You want to be a godly lady like Phoebe is here. It begins by being a child of God. Then do you see the relationship with the others in the church. It's your sister, Phoebe. And that relationship we have, remember how Jesus said that when you follow me, and Peter basically asked him, hey, um, what do I gain by following you? I've given up everything. What do we get? The Lord said, you get a lot of things. One of the things is you get, you're, you get more family. 
He said the, and he said it a little bit different than how I said, but you get the just one saying there. When you get saved, you get a new family. You got a new father. You have new brothers and sisters. Hey, if you're a child of God tonight, guess what? Your siblings are sitting in this room tonight. I'm your sibling. That's why I give some of you a hard time. I'm like the younger brother that just gives you a hard time. And uh, you could ask my sister if I was a good younger brother or not. Actually, don't ask her that. I don't want you to ask her that. But we think about the relationship and what we have because of Jesus Christ. We see that she's called a sister. Number two, the outline's very simple tonight. She's called a servant. Now, I was only pastoring for a year and a half. And I had a man that came to church here. And the first thing that, well, and he'd been here. He was one of the originals, I'll say that. And so he came to me. And he's like, I need to sit down and talk to you. Okay? And normally when people say they need to sit down and talk with me, you know, that's what they do. Sit down and talk with me. And so he had a talk, and I listened during this talk. And this is the first time I'd ever heard this before. He's like, Pastor, we need female deacons in our church. I said, we don't even have any deacons. So we're going to have female deacons in a church of six. That makes a lot of sense. He's like, we need female deacons. The way the world's headed, and ladies do a lot of things. The Bible's outdated in that area, and women need to be able to do more. You need to have women lead in prayer. You need to have women do this. And he went through this list of things. And I said, could you just give me some Bible for this? That's a start. And so he took me to this passage right here. We look, Phoebe's called a sister, but we look here, it says, and I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. Now that word servant, you get other versions of the Bible, and it will say deaconess there. Now what you've got to understand is that word servant is the same word used for a deacon. Same word. There is no difference in that word. So, so he's like, because, and I, sh- and I showed him a couple things, but he just didn't get it as we talked about it. But as we look at this and we think about it, she is called a servant here. The word servant literally means a table waiter or one who waits on orders from his master. That's what a deacon and a servant is. Now, we will dive deeper into this in a couple of minutes. But a lot of churches today, there are a lot of deacons that have a lot of power in churches. And I don't see one time in the Bible where deacons have power. They are servants. Now, let's talk about the role of the servant tonight for a minute, okay? Now, other churches can do what other churches want to do, okay? I am not concerned about what the church down the street does with this. I'm concerned about what we do with this, okay? I have Baptist brethren. It was a bit, just a few weeks ago, someone did a whole podcast and said that we've missed, really missed this, and Phoebe is the first female deacon. That is, and this is a Baptist. They were strong on this stand there. 
and they can do at their church whatever they want to do. What we do, and I don't apologize for it, and I never will, we just simply follow God's word. God's word is our guide. As Baptists, we believe in biblical authority. That's number one. That means what the Bible says, we believe what it says. Am I wrong on that statement? That's that's first thing about being a Baptist. We believe in biblical authority. The Word of God is right. The Word of God doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be updated for the way the world's turning. The Word of God is just fine. What Jesus said 2,000 years ago, those we talked about again this morning, still applies today, 2,000 years later. Now, I want you to go with me, and it might be up on the screen and things, but I want you to look at it in your Bibles, and maybe, let's see if it's there in your notes. If it's there in your notes... And so, we are, so, do you have 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13? All right, look at this. Let's actually, Bibles, if you got them, and I want to look at the role of pastor as well for a minute. Since we're here, since we're here, we're going to see what the Bible says. Because there are many churches that have lady pastors. In fact, I had someone a couple weeks ago, a dear family in our church, they, they had a funeral service, for a family member, and that family member, a lady pastor, did the service. And she wanted to be able to have her family that lives in California come to our church and listen to the service. And I said, no. Say, that's harsh. The Bible, let's just read the Bible, okay? And I know some, there's some, pastor, this is 2022. The Bible's still right in 2022. So look at 1 Timothy 3, look at verse number 1. Is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A pastor. If a man desires the office of a pastor, he desires a good work. A pastor then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Okay, now I know in our world today, there are people that say they are the husband of one wife, and that's not what the Bible's talking about right here, okay? Now, people have so many different opinions when it comes to this. People will say, well, the husband of one wife at a time. I've heard that said. I've heard people say lots of things when it comes to this passage. I'm going to tell you where our church stands on this and where your pastor stands on this. I personally do not believe, according to what it says there, that a divorced man can be a pastor. It's the husband of one wife. Now, where you draw that line, at the end of the day, the Lord is the one who calls people. I had a man come to me one time, and he said, and he, he asked me, he came, he's, he's going to be starting a church somewhere, and he asked me my opinion. So, for my opinion, I showed him those verses. He's like, well, I've been divorced, but God has called me. I said, I'm not going to question your call. You and God take care of that yourself. I'm telling you where I stand. I'll pray for you, but our church won't support you. That's a little bold. I had another man come, and he said the Lord called him to pastor. He's like, I was, I've been divorced. But he said he was divorced before he ever got saved. 
that could get, there's a fine line with all that stuff, isn't there? You say, well, what did you tell him? If you want to know, you can ask me in my office after the service. I'm not going to tell my opinion on that one right now. Uh, Pastor, this is what the Bible says. Must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, let's make sure we... There have been some men that their children, after they're 18 years old and they've grown up in the house, they get away from the Lord and they feel like they're supposed to... When someone turns 18, they make choices for themselves. You train them in the things of God. And the other thing is, there are no pastor's kids that are going to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect, but you want a pastor where his home is well looked after. And let's be honest, I read through these qualifications for a pastor often. If something, when, when something down the line ever happens to me, which it will someday, and I'm no longer your pastor, you better pull out 1 Timothy 3 and follow what the Bible says for a pastor. There are a few other things that are mentioned there. Not a novice, not a new Christian. Let's keep on reading. It says, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So what we see right there is that a pastor is supposed to be a man. That's the Bible. And you say, well, why does it say that? I'm glad you asked. Go back to chapter number 2 for a minute, okay? Go back to chapter number 2. And you look at verse number 11, verse 11 and 12. But let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to exert authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, you might not like this, and it might, but at the end of the day, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was punishments placed on Adam, and there were punishments placed on Eve. And one of Eve's punishments was to be under her husband. But you can look at it and say, a punishment? Not a punishment. A safeguard to help your home. God was looking out for our homes. Now, we look at it today, and the worse a society gets away from God, and men in the room, listen up to me real quick before I go any deeper. You need to step up and be the man in your house. Man up. Live for God. You be the example to your family of how they're supposed to live. You be the ones to show your kids how to read the Bible. You be the ones who teach your children how to pray. You be the one who teaches your children how to work. You step up and be the man in your home. Got awful quiet. 
A husband and wife work together in the home. But the husband's supposed to be leading. And servant leadership is what it's all about. It, husbands, it's not good for you to go up to your wife and say, woman, submit. And there's a shoe upside your head. That doesn't work. And that's where some men like to look and say, it says my wife's supposed to submit to me. Before it ever says that, it says we're supposed to submit one to another, to the Lord. But God has given roles in the home. God has given roles in the church. And a lady should not be pastoring a church. I told Caroline today, we're a team. Someone asked me, and they're like, a few weeks ago, someone asked me the question, are, are you the only one called the pastor? I believe we're called together. We're a team. She doesn't preach behind this pulpit. She preaches to me at home and tells me what to preach to you here. And it works out well when I listen because she smiles, she's happy, and happy wife, and everything's good. And that's not completely true with all that, but we're a team. I believe a deacon and a deacon's wife, they're a team as well. But let's look at what the Bible says about a deacon. Let's continue on there. Verse number 8. Where are we at on time? Oh boy, it's 7 o'clock. Wow. Let's just turn up here. Here we go. Time got away quick. Verse number 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double tongue, not given to much wine. Oh, you're like, oh, so the pastor's given to no wine and the deacons are not given to much wine. Just watch it. Just watch it. Best way, best way not to sin against God, don't ever drink. There you go. That's the best way, the best policy right there. But the, you look at, the deacons always are just the sinners above and beyond. But anyways, it says, not much, given much wine, not greedy, a filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives. So, a deacon has to be married, right? So I would also say, we'll go a little bit further from the pastor, a pastor has to be married, the husband of one wife. So praise God, I didn't have to be a priest and not ever get married. I'm grateful for marriage. But anyways, we'll leave that there. Don't go any deeper with that. It says, must be proved. And, as we, and it says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. We see that role again. Ruling their children and their own house well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And what we see right there is we see for the role of pastor and for the role of deacon, we see that it's supposed to be a man. That's the way God set it up. Now, let me help you for a second. You say, well, Phoebe wasn't a man, and she's doing the work of a deacon. We're all to be doing the work of deacons. We're all to be servants of Jesus Christ. What did Paul say in every one of his letters? He starts, a servant of Jesus Christ. You see, that's all of our job. So maybe in letter, Phoebe was not a deaconess. But in spirit, she was doing the work that a deacon does. And all of us in the church, no matter if you're a man or a woman today, 
have that role of serving the Lord today and doing the work of God. There, you think about this in a church. God does give us pastors. God does give us deacons. But at the end of the day, a pastor, deacon, whatever the case may be, we are all just servants of God, doing the work of God. So maybe that will help some of you. Maybe that will help none of you. But anyways, when we look at this, we see that she was a servant. And if churches, other churches want to do it their way and they feel it means something else and do those things, I'm just going to go with what the Bible says and leave it alone. That's where we stand on it. If another church does it differently than us, that's their business, not our business. This is our church. We want to do things the way God would have us do it. And so we see that Phoebe was a sister. She was a servant. And man, she met the needs of her. And let me just encourage you tonight. Wherever God's placed you in church, serve. Find something to do. I sincerely believe that God places within every body what it needs to be successful and fruitful. We don't need anyone outside of these four walls that, is, that call this their church and that are members of this church. We don't need anyone else besides that. The Lord will bring those that we need to add to us He'll take away those that don't need to be with us. That means everything within the church could function properly if all of God's people would step up and do their job. Sometimes I'll hear complaints. Well, pastor, we're just, we, we don't do very good on this, or you don't give enough time for this, and don't do this and that. When more people step up and do their jobs, I won't have to do as much. But it has to get done. Say, well, all you got to do is call me. All you got to do is show up. We all should be servants. Find a place to serve. And then there are some, you're getting past those years where you can't do as much serving. You can pray. There's lots of things that can be done. But she was a servant. Let me give you the last one, and I'm not going to talk about the last one we're just going to go through it. The last number three, we see the Bible says about her, and I'm in Timothy. Let me go back to Romans. We're finishing up right here. It says, verse two, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor. So Phoebe is called a succor. What is a succor? It's an old word that means to come to another's assistance. She stepped up to help someone else who needed help. That's what she did. So what do we see about this godly lady in the Bible? This godly lady was a child of God that loved the Lord. She served the Lord any way that she could. And she came alongside other Christians. And she wasn't a gossip in the church. She wasn't causing problems in the church. Her whole goal was to do the work of God and to get others to help do the work of God. That's a godly lady right there. And I'll say if every man and lady in this room, if we, if, be like Phoebe. Be a servant. Serve the Lord. Find a place and serve. And then find a struggling Christian, come alongside and help them do the work.